Hello, my name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. You can learn more about me at livetoone110.com and learn about my detox program, mineralpower.com, that I use to heal my own health problems. You can learn more about me at uh, my YouTube channel, Wendy Live to 110. Lots of juicy little videos for you there. Today, we have Heather Duranja on the podcast. She's going to be talking about how foods cause inflammation, the importance of detoxification, my favorite subject. And she really has a great energy. This is such a great podcast. We had so much fun uh, talking and exchanging stories. Just a really great show for you today. First, we have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition, and it's not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment or diet suggestion that we talk about today on the show. Today, we have Heather Duranja on the show, better known as the Nutrition Vixen. She is a registered licensed dietitian nutritionist. She's passionate about nutrition and knows firsthand the benefits of maintaining a healthy diet and lifestyle to self-manage and reduce symptoms associated with chronic disease. Her goal is to increase awareness of the risks and benefits associated with nutrition, provide education, debunk current diet fads, and coach individuals through the process of behavior change that will allow them to take appropriate action to become self-sufficient and obtain a healthier lifestyle. Heather, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Wendy. I'm really excited to have the opportunity. I know this has kind of been a uh, very anticipated moment, so yeah. I'm excited that we're finally getting to do it. I know we had a lot of fits and starts because I had I was sick for a, a few weeks over the holidays, and uh, so we were scheduled it, and then we had to cancel and schedule it. So I'm happy we're finally doing the interview. <laughs> so, me too. And- the good news is you're better just in time for the holidays. Yes, yes. I'm very, very happy. So I was sick leading up to the holidays. So luckily I'm, I'm healthy and happy for, for Christmas coming up. That's right. So good. why don't you tell the That's listeners good. a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, your story? All right. Well, I am a registered dietitian. Um, I decided to go the route of becoming a dietitian, I guess, later in life, Um When I was 18 years old, I was diagnosed with a kidney disease, and at the time, I was not a full-time student, so I got kicked off my parents' health insurance, got pregnant shortly after, um, had to go through clinics, had really bad experiences, got really sick, so um, came to the realization that if I didn't clean up my life, um, I was going to end up being on dialysis or kidney transplant. And unfortunately, I had had a cousin who was a female, and at the age of 30, she died from liver, or I'm sorry, from kidney complications from the same kidney disease that I was diagnosed with. That will change your perspective. So I knew what the outcome was. (laughs) That'll change your perspective. Absolutely. And being that I was a young mom, I was only 19 years old, you know, I have this baby and I'm like, all right, I've got to figure out what I need to do so I can take care of her as well. So with that, that's kind of where my pursuit for knowledge began. Back in the day, I didn't have Google. I had to go to the library and, you know, check out books and read them. And so with that, I discovered that there were specific lifestyle practices that I could incorporate to hopefully um, 
stabilize my condition where it was. You can never improve it, but hopefully, you know, keep it from getting worse. And um, I started implementing those practices, had a lot of success. And uh, so I became very passionate about it. And when my youngest daughter went to kindergarten, I decided to pursue an education and kind of be the middleman. I felt like there was a big disconnect between what the doctors tell you when they give you a diagnosis and how you can preserve your health that you have without having to be on medication. So um, I wanted to kind of be the middleman who simplified it for people. I realized not everyone has the desire or the willpower to put in the effort and energy that I did. So um, fast forward, I went through school, um, had to go the route of becoming a registered dietitian, knowing that I would never practice clinical, Um, didn't believe in a lot of the things that I was being taught. So it was very difficult and painful to have to sit through through those uh, lectures and exercises, knowing that as soon as I got my my license, I could practice the way that I believed was the best way for, um, you know, majority of. The population. It's so sad how a lot of registered dietitians, I hear that from so many of them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's sad is that I almost am ashamed sometimes to tell somebody that I am a registered dietitian because they immediately kind of roll their eyes and they're like, ah, one of you, huh? (laughs) And I'm not trying to contribute to the problem. I'm trying to, uh, you know, advocate against it. So I do feel alienated from my profession as well as my peers. Um, so I've kind of had to find another group to accept me, you know, with, with similar likes and beliefs. Um, I'll accept you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But it's, it's kind of exciting because as I have evolved into this profession, I'm starting to see a lot more awareness be brought about from dietitians. There's a really cool group called um, Dietitians for Integrity. And so they're really trying to make an impact and spread the word that we don't support the um, – you know, a lot of the beliefs that the American Dietetic Association or and now the American Nutrition Dietetic Association practices, you know, which is aligned with a lot of our FDA and, and uh, USDA guidelines. So I'm here to try to demyth all of that stuff. And I'm fortunate enough to have uh, the opportunity to do so. Mm. So. Right. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I want to talk a little bit about inflammation and the food yes. sensitivities and detox. Yes. So, so what is inflammation and why should you be concerned? All right. So inflammation is a complex cascade of circumstances that take place in the body. And when I went through schooling, um, we really didn't hear a lot about inflammation other than um, anatomy and physiology when you talk about a wound having to heal. So not all inflammation is bad. We do need inflammation to be able to support the healing process. However, nowadays we are just bombarded with um, a cascade of environmental factors that contribute to us being in a chronic inflammatory response which can really have a negative impact on our overall health, which is part of the reason why um, we have such, you know, high prevalence of cardiovascular disease and diabetes and a lot of autoimmune, um, autoimmune issues and whatnot. So I don't feel like that's something that is really talked about a whole lot and how if we can start with preventing inflammation, we can improve our overall health. And so that's kind of needs to be a focus. 
Yeah. And so that's um, why I'm so passionate about the gut and mm-hmm. digestive health because our digest, you know, our, our stomach and the digestive tract is basically the uh, doorway to chronic disease. So if we don't start there by having a healthy digestive tract, we're setting ourselves up for, you know, having chronic disease um, at a much earlier rate than than we used to. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing such a high incidence of disease is yeah. really bad diets that are It is. And you know what's interesting? <laughs> I um, just had a conversation. My mother, she'll probably kill me for sharing this, but I've been harping on her for the last several years. She's, you know, lives a very busy lifestyle, high, high stress, um, sales individual, works long hours. And uh, she's been having a quite a bit of digestive issues over the last couple of years. It started with GERD and then from GERD, it went into... um, IBS and from IBS, it went into diverticulitis. And now she just recently uh, found out that she has, um, what did she have? What did she get diagnosed with? Um, Colitis. So Mm -hmm. now she has colitis and potentially um, something there, they noticed something on her kidneys. And so had we addressed this back when I, you know, was trying to bring this to her attention and talk about the importance of needing to change her behaviors. Um, maybe it wouldn't have gone this far. Yeah, it's so now should because people that's what I talk about a lot on live to one ten. you have to uh, prevent disease before it happens. It's so absolutely. much easier to prevent it than it is to deal with it. And usually there's permanent damage. It's too late. Right. Yeah. Which is really um, why I did not want to be a clinical dietitian because I felt like in the clinical world, you're pretty much working with a sick population. Once they've already been diagnosed and sick, their level of motivation to make any changes is so minimal, if any. I felt it was a very disheartening um, environment and experience. I was so passionate about preventative care that um, it kind of hurt my feelings. You know, I have all this knowledge and this excitement and and information to share with people and they would be like, yeah. You know, no. yeah, it's, it's give hard. me my pills. You, when you feel yeah. terrible, you feel like crap and you don't have any energy and you're struggling right. and you're some people can't work. You know, they can be very, very demotivated and they don't have a lot of a fight. Some people don't have a lot of fight left in them and it can be right. hard to follow um, any kind of diet or other kind of regimen and you take people's food away from them, which is right. such a tremendous source of pleasure for many people. Um, yeah. but it's, it's tough. It is. You know, it's kind of funny um, because I'm going to be 40 this year. And at 40 years old, I feel like my energy levels, I I feel better than I did when I was back in my 20s. And so I tease my daughters. I've got a 19, almost 20 year old now and a 15 year old and they're lethargic and they feel like crap all the time. And I'm constantly like, come on, girls, you got to, you know, I'm constantly trying to promote with them, uh, you know, proper eating and staying hydrated and they're always like, whatever, mom. Mm-hmm. But it's funny looking back that who would have thought in my 40s, I could honestly say that I feel like not only do I look better, but my energy levels are so much greater. Yeah. High five, when- sister. High five. Woo-woo. I'm saying, yeah. I feel the same. <laughs> yeah, so. I never thought, you know, five, six years ago, I never thought I would feel as good as I feel today. And it's just the power of just completely revamping your life, your diet, your lifestyle, detoxing, mm-hmm. you can completely change your life and be a new person. Absolutely. I think you and I have something in common, um, which 
brought us, you know, both um, so passionate about where we're at. But my father, I lost him in 2009 to um, liver complications. So he he died of uh, cirrhosis. Mm. And um, he, uh, unfortunately, he had a lot of issues going on. He had some genetic factors as well as some very hard lifestyle factors that mm. sped up his his uh, you know problem. But I buried my dad on what would have been his 54th birthday. Oh, that's so and young. And that was just Too so young. young. Yeah. So young, you know, and so um, I, I really believe strongly in preventative care. And when my dad got sick, when he was diagnosed, he wanted so badly to change all of his ways. But at that, you know, at that time, it was already too late yeah. and he didn't get a transplant fast enough. So, yeah. And I had the same thing with my father. He had quit smoking six years prior. He was he had made the changes, but there mm-hmm. was too much damage and he developed esophageal cancer. And okay. it's just sad. You know, it's very, yeah. very sad. There, you can, it's just sad when people uh, die a completely preventable death. It's just a horrible loss. Right. Absolutely. So how does, how does the whole digestion system fit yeah, into that? Right. right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think, you know, it amazes me because when I sit and talk to a lot of my clients, um, they don't realize that they feel like shit. Yeah. (laughs) They have no idea how bad they actually feel until they start feeling better because I constantly hear from them, well, I don't feel bad, you know, Mm -hmm. and then several weeks later after we really started cleaning up the diet and um, getting them to a better place, they're like, wow, I'm sleeping better. My energy levels are higher. My cravings are down. My mood has improved. And it just amazes me. I feel like a lot of us are walking around kind of like catatonic, having no idea, you know, that they're, they're zombie-ish. Like zombie apocalypse is already here, people. (laughs) That is. Walk into a Walmart and and you see it everywhere. Exactly. I was going to walk into a Vons or like a typical Uh grocery store, Albertsons. It's like the cast of Star Wars. The people look horrible. They look sick and they're dying. They have these bags and their horrible skin and whatnot. And, um, it, it, it's sad because uh, it's, it's like they're a fish in water. Uh, I have yeah. that from my clients as well. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't realize how bad they feel because they've just become accustomed to one symptom after another symptom after another symptom. And so right. many of their friends don't feel good and they're tired. They think it's just a normal part of aging. Hell no, it's not. No, no, it's mm-hmm. not. But you know what? When you go to the doctor, what does the doctor say to them? No, oh, it's, it's just normal. You're just getting It's older. normal aging. Just accept yeah. it. It's part yeah. of the aging process. And so I always tell them, I'm going to call BS on that because yeah. guess what? You're not supposed to feel this way. Mm-hmm. It's just the opposite. So Exactly. Just, I have a friend of mine who's 80 years old. He He's actually, I think he's older than 80 because almost, he's pushing 85. He's an attorney. He still works 10 hours a day, sharp as a tag. He's had a, an amazing diet his entire life and he lives a very healthy lifestyle. And it goes to show you the, the power of having a healthy diet and lifestyle that mm-hmm. you can uh, be healthy and, and work and be productive and have a purpose into your very late years. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is great. So let's talk that about food. <laughs> let's talk about food. <laughs> My favorite topic. Yeah. So, uh, so what is the difference between? Uh, well, let's say, like, why? So we talked about inflammation a little bit. Um, do you want to talk about why inflammation occurs? Well, there's a there's a 
multitude of reasons why inflammation occurs, but we can start with the with the gut. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times inflammation begins with the foods that we eat. So either we're eating a very high refined processed diet, which, you know, contributes to that inflammatory response in our digestive tract, that high sugar, a lot of sugar feeding the bad bacteria in our digestive tract. We, um, we're, you know, chronically addicted to caffeine, which acts like a digestive irritant, alcohol to calm our nerves and make us relax. You know, that's another one. Um, Majority of people are on medications or some sort of antibiotic. And then also we tend to be habitual eaters. So a lot of times we might think that we're eating healthy foods, but we're not eating the right foods for our body. And there is actually a uh, food sensitivity that occurs. And so when we're constantly exposing those same foods to the digestive tract, that also can contribute to that inflammatory response. So a combination of all of the toxins that we're taking in and all of these little inflammatory triggers, basically, um, you know, they they create little gaps in the in the digestive tract, those microvilli where bad things slip into the the bloodstream. And then that is where, you know, the real problem begins. Uh, Seventy percent of our immune system lies in the digestive tract. So if we don't have a good solid barrier there, we're really in trouble when it comes to trying to fight off, you know, little things like the common day cold our, our uh, immune systems constantly activated. So for myself, um, with the kidney disease that I have, my immune system is constantly, you know, working. So I tend to be a lot more susceptible to getting viral infections or some sort of bacterial infection and having a lot harder time fighting it off. And back in January of last year, I had developed a bacterial infection Got put on antibiotics with resistance. I didn't want to have to take them, but they are a necessary evil sometimes. sometimes they are. They're and life so, saving, you know. Unfortunately, I started developing um, allergies to the medications. I was having allergic reactions to these medications, these different antibiotics. And so, fast forward 10 months later, I still had not eradicated the bacterial infection. We're still trying to fight it with different antibiotics. And, um, all of a sudden I just started getting ridiculous, like ridiculous sugar cravings. Mm -hmm. I usually have a pretty good, um, willpower and I would be sitting in my office and all I could think about was going to Walgreens and picking up a box of (laughs) mega stuffed Oreos, not one, but two, along with some Pringles and chocolate covered almonds Mm -hmm. and then sit on the couch and pack my mouth like a squirrel. Yeah. (laughs) I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's terrible. And so after about four weeks of this, um, I kind of checked myself and said, all right, Heather, you know, come on, this is more than just willpower. There's something physiological going on here. So I had had, um, I had suspected that I had overgrowth of yeast that had developed in my bloodstream due to these antibiotics and, and, um, the, you know, disruption in my digestive tract. So I had a friend who's got a really fancy microscope. So we drew some blood, put it under the uh, microscope. And sure enough, it was amazing to see how many neutrophils I had in this tiny little area, you know, this tiny little blood sample and the amount of yeast that was in the bloodstream. It looked like popcorn. It was just like, holy cow, unbelievable. 
But as soon as I saw that, it made it really easy for me to make the connection. I've got to clean up my diet. You know, these antibiotics have contributed to the condition, which is now the yeast is basically dictating to my body what it needs to be fed in order for it to thrive and survive. And so I had to eradicate it. I have a little biohack that I do. And, you know, sometimes you have to take antibiotics and you let a UTI go too far or what have you. I used to be plagued with those, not anymore, but... After I'd take antibiotics, I'd always get a prescription for Diflucan, which uh-huh. is, you know, generic name is fluconazole to kill right. off all the yeast because a lot of people invariably get a yeast infection post yes. antibiotics. So it's a little way to head it off at the curve. But, you know, right. it's biohacks yeah. via, you know, conventional medicine. <laughs> right, right. So, but it was amazing to me that just by simply cleaning up my diet, I eradicated the yeast infection as well as the bacterial infection. I didn't even have to get back on antibiotics. So that was uh, pretty enlightening to see the power of food and um, how beneficial it can be. Yeah, that's probably a better way to go (laughs) than more prescription medication. (laughs) Yeah, trust me, the the cravings, the the psychological and the physiological cravings the first, you know, week were, were difficult, but I just... After seeing that blood sample, it was like really easy to go, nope, I'm walking away. I do not need the Oreo cookies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put like 10 pounds on in one month. I mean, it was pretty excessive. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how people can have a very strong reaction to antibiotics like that, really can throw their system out of whack for, for years even. I've had yeah. some clients, they, just, they took around antibiotics and they were just never the same afterwards. Uh-huh. It can cause this whole cascade of effects. So good to just strengthen your body, fortify your immune system as a preventative measure. Um, So, yeah, so let's talk about the difference uh, between a food allergy, a food intolerance, and a food sensitivity, because that's something I talk a lot about on the modern paleo diet and how you have to, you know, assess out your food sensitivities and, you know, customize your diet for you as an individual. So let's, you know, make those uh, clarifications for people. Absolutely. So I think that food allergy and food sensitivity and intolerance are all used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people miss, you know, um, they misuse the word. They think that they all mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. And with a food allergy, that is a completely different thing than a food al- um, intolerance or a food sensitivity mm-hmm. where your body has an immediate response to whatever the um the foreign invader is. So typically that will present itself within a matter of seconds to a matter of hours. And it usually involves some sort of anaphylactic or, um, you know, rash, a rash that will break out something very substantial. And, um, it can make that connection. They can easily make that connection. Right. And so usually it has to be treated medically with some sort of EpiPen or, um, something of that nature in order for it to be improved. With a food intolerance, food intolerance typically typically means that you lack the enzymes. It's more of an enzymatic process where you lack those enzymes to be able to break those foods down and absorb them into the bloodstream. So typically our body will reject the item if it doesn't know what to do with it. So a lot of times 
We'll have bouts of diarrhea. We'll have bloating, gas, that kind of thing. And a lot of times it's pretty easy to identify, um, I ate this and now I feel like this. So I think food intolerances tend to be a little bit easier. You know, food allergies, food intolerances, they're pretty easy to identify Mm -hmm. what the culprit is. But when it comes to food sensitivities, that's a totally different creature. And um, sometimes it can take several days, like up to four days before symptoms present themselves. So we typically don't associate why we feel like crap today with what we ate four days ago. And the fact that we tend to be habitual eaters and eat the same things over and over and over, we're constantly exposing ourselves to these food particles that are creating an immune response. And so um, we're walking around just thinking this is what normal life is supposed to feel like. And as soon as I work with somebody who potentially has food sensitivities and we can identify them through either testing or an elimination diet, um, it's amazing how quickly they feel better. It's usually a matter of days and they already start feeling significant improvement in their energy levels, their um, achiness, you know, the cognitive function, just clearer thinking, sleeping better. Um, so it's pretty interesting. They lose their muffin top. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny that a lot of people are, I guess we don't really associate something like a food sensitivity with why we can't lose weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it causes inflammation inflammation causes weight gain and uh, lots of other various health issues. Like for me, I never dawned on me I was gluten sensitive and one of my favorite meals in college was a big, you know, uh, plate of spaghetti with garlic bread and I would wake uh-huh. up in the middle of the night and vomit over and over and over and my stomach would hurt. I'd have stomach pains. I thought, oh my God, I'm dying of cancer or stomach cancer. And I went to several doctors and like, oh, it's just stress. You're fine. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't uh-huh. feel stressed out. You know, I, I'm very relaxed and happy. Um, but right. I, I, it took me years to make that connection uh, when I started su- studying more about health and nutrition that it was actually a gluten sensitivity. Wow. So one of my biggest food sensitivities is actually uh, cow's milk. Mm-hmm. So the proteins, the casein and, and cow's milk. And um, I guess about a year ago, I was um, in a situation where I was probably using whey protein as a meal replacement more often than less due to time constraints and between clients and whatnot. And I was experiencing a lot of constipation, a lot of bloating, and I really wasn't making the connection with it, you know, being associated with the uh, protein that I was drinking. I also love milk and cow, you know, cheese. Those were all staples. It's so easy to grab a piece of cheese and call it dinner, right? Yeah. And so, so anyway, um, I, I just got to a point where I was sick of feeling like that. So I thought, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Let's go ahead and just uh, validate my, my, uh, sus- you know, my. Uh, Your suspicions. What, what I suspected. And yeah. So sure enough, it came back that cow's milk was my biggest sensitivity. So once I eliminated that, it was amazing how much better my digestive function was within just a matter of days from removing it. Just felt like no more bloating, you know, didn't have the constipation issues anymore. 
um, just felt a whole lot better. So yeah, and it can be tough to to assess them out that your food sensitivities. I mean, you can certainly do a food elimination diet, and that takes away about mm-hmm. you know ten of the top food sensitivities. Um, but I generally recommend like my clients do an MRT food sensitive test. It's a mediator release test, or really any kind of food sensitivity test, um, because it can test about 150 different foods and chemicals, and right. uh, you know it gets you know, can determine food sensitivities you would have never thought of to very healthy foods like broccoli or blueberries and and different components of dairy and different kinds of legumes. So it can really differentiate between uh, or within different food groups because you don't really need to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater with all dairy. Um, People are usually sensitive to different components of dairy or different ways that they're uh, prepared and processed and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. So it can be very, very helpful to make those distinctions for many people and they feel a lot better as a result. Absolutely. I prefer to do the testing. I think the testing is just a lot more efficient instead of guessing and trying to do you know, well, let's try this. I feel like a lot of people, number one, don't have patience for yeah. the elimination. It's hard. So it's, it is. It's difficult. And so um, I, I just feel like it's a lot easier to go and get the blood work done and then be able to identify, okay, here's exactly what we're dealing with and and let's execute a plan of action based upon these results that's going to be realistic for that person. And usually when we go that route, it's pretty easy for them to follow and like I said earlier, they they uh, the benefits from it are immediate. Mm-hmm. I mean, matter of days. We I also am big on some you know, specific supplementation to as we're trying to reduce those food sensitivities and eliminate them. Um, also supporting the healing of the mucosal lining through L-glutamine, getting on a good quality probiotic. I feel like everybody should be on both of those things. Um, Regardless of whether or not you have food sensitivities, I think that they're both very, very important in terms of that digestive health. So, why is there such a prevalence of food sensitivities? Because I've noticed uh, it just—it's gone up and up and up. You see statistics, and uh, the the food sensitivities and food allergies have increased tremendously since the 1990s. Right. Well, I think that a lot of it has to do with our food system and um, being that we're eating diets that are so high in refined processed foods. We're not really eating food anymore. We're eating like food components, you know, food products. So um, combination of all of that, I really feel like contributes to this prevalence, you know, um, you throw out the words food sensitivity and detoxification nowadays. They're like buzzwords. Everybody's all over it. You know, they want to, they want to hear more. Um, but the bottom line is, is that it has become just the norm based on everyone's lifestyle factors. So there's so many environmental components, uh, toxins, you know, through our water supply, through the air that we breathe, um, the foods that we're eating alone, you know, 90% of um, pesticides, you know, are found in in produce. And so with a combination of all of those things, um, and then you take medications and add stress in there, um, we're just, uh, we're not, we're not equipped to deal with it anymore. Yeah. And when people have leaky gut, uh-huh. Uh, when they, the desdemones of the, the cells of the intestinal lining kind of become more loose and allow mm-hmm. these undigested or partially digested food particles to, you know, go through the intestinal lining, um, you know, people will develop more and more and severe 
food sensitivities. That's a sign that you perhaps have leaky gut. And one of the causes of this is heavy metals. And this is what I talk about a lot with my personal clients is that heavy metals, uh, they basically poison enzymes that take amino acids and nutrients into your cells. And when this happens, there's a reduced ability of uh, people to absorb proteins and repair their intestinal lining. And right. so it's very, very important as part of healing leaky gut and part of healing uh, your whole body is by detoxing heavy metals because heavy metals can uh, very much promote leaky gut. And there's a lot Absolutely. of misconception out there that, oh, you have to heal the gut before you can detox. That is not true at all. It's in fact the exact opposite. You have to detox heavy metals as part of healing the gut lining. Absolutely. You know, and that's a, so I want to kind of rewind back when you were talking about those food particles escaping into the bloodstream. You know, um, most of us are in such a hurry all the time. We really don't take the time to sit and actually chew our food. So a lot of people are just shoving food in their mouth, you know, in between appointments, driving down the road, trying to free up their hands. So we're not really chewing that food up to a point where um, it's going to be properly digested, which is also contributing to those large, you know, food particles being absorbed into the bloodstream. Um, So I think there's you know, just little things like that, taking the time to actually chew our food mm-hmm. can help to reduce a lot of these problems as well. Yeah. And you, I, it's really important as well to stress that people need adequate levels of hydrochloric acid in their stomach. Oh, and when you're, yes. st- yeah, when you're stressed and you have adrenal fatigue, uh-huh. adrenal fatigue uh, suppresses hydrochloric acid production and you need that. So that's your first line of defense and the first right most important part of the digestive system. And if that isn't adequate, the rest of your digestion is going to suffer down the rest of your digestive tract. And one thing, other thing I wanted to mention is that mercury toxicity, mercury is a proton pump inhibitor. So Mm -hmm. that will reduce hydrochloric acid as production and that promotes the problem. Right. So then what happens to our ability to be able to absorb nutrients efficiently? You know, we, we lack the, uh, the acidity to be able to break those vitamins and minerals down into their absorbable form. And Mm. so I like to, you know, talk about we're an overfed population, but we're very malnourished. When that digestive tract becomes inflamed, it's like that hardwood floor where we lose a significant um, amount of surface area for nutrient absorption to naturally occur. Mm. And then, um, you know, if we have issues with our with our pH of our gastric acid, we're not going to be able to convert those vitamins and minerals. And so we're really setting ourselves up for uh, having a very weakened immune system. We don't we lack the vital nutrients to be able to fight off the normal things. And then if we have an excessive amount getting into the bloodstream, we're just set up for basically, you know, getting sick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I 100% agree with you. I'm glad we're on the same page. (laughs) Yeah, we could talk about that. This stuff excites me. Like We could talk about this on and on because it's so correlated. When one thing gets off, that leads to another problem. And then we just have a cascade of problems that occur. And a lot of times when people go to the doctor, the doctor has them on 10 different medications for these 10 different problems. But if we just focused on the one main issue and started to correct that, it would really help to align, 
the other issues and decrease the symptoms that were occurring and they wouldn't need the medications to begin with. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, that's, that's kind of where my, um, my focus is in terms of trying to help people get on the right track instead of trying to figure out all of these different things, let's just focus on the one big problem, start there, and then it will help to um, eradicate these other issues as well. Yeah. And one, uh, one, uh, you know, topic that I think we're absolutely on the same page about is toxicity. And absolutely. so I believe we're all toxic. Everyone, even the healthiest individuals I've tested, young, healthy, fit males um, have major toxicity. So in your opinion, do you think that we're all toxic? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, we're, we're exposed to over 80,000 toxins a day and it is impossible for that one little liver to be able to keep up with clearing out all of the toxicity that's coming in. It's, it's almost impossible. So I know for myself with having this kidney disease, um, it is a lot more difficult for my body to filter out toxins at a, um, you know, at a, at a, at a good quality rate. And, um, there's been times where I really can taste the heavy metals in my mouth going, Oh my gosh, I feel so toxic. And it hasn't been from anything too specific, but toxins are fat loving. So they get into the bloodstream. They like to get into those fat cells and they don't want to leave, which make, you know, make it more difficult for individuals to lose weight also. Yeah. Yeah, they're absolutely one of the, the a big driver of weight gain. When people, the body is forced to hold on to weight and fat cells. Right. So they have a place to store all this stuff, you know, right. away from the organs where it could cause harm. Um, right. People don't understand that. So um, what, then, so oh, go ahead. Then what does it do to our hormonal balance? You know, these toxins like to get into binding receptor spots where a normal hormone would have a job or a vitamin or a mineral would have a job to do and it's binding up that spot. So then it can't have its normal reaction. And, and yeah, it's just this cascade of issues that, that occurs. Yeah. And the, the toxic metals and chemicals, they absolutely severely uh, interfere and impact our body's metabolic function on so many levels. And so many people's health problems are reversed or completely eliminated simply by detoxing and getting rid of all these chemicals uh, that they mm -hmm. have, that everyone has in their body. It's amazing how much better people feel once they go on a, a long-term detox program. So right. wanting to the listeners, you know, what is detox? kind of what are some of your favorite detox methods? So detoxification is a method of trying to minimize the toxins that you're taking in and maximize the excretions of, you know, of the toxins that you have inside your body. So one of my very, very favorite things, every single client who sees me, it is a requirement that they have to use the infrared sauna. Yes. That they, I tell them all the time, it is a requirement. You have to do this. It's part of the program. And so um, it's funny because I can tell when somebody is not staying consistent with their infrared sauna therapy, they stop losing. They stop making progress. Yeah. They start reverting back in the opposite direction. And it's amazing what just just the simple use of sitting in an infrared sauna how beneficial that can be in helping to excrete toxins from the body. Now, the number one thing that I have to remind people all the time, 
Number one, you have to go in scantily clad because the infrared light doesn't penetrate clothing very well. And most of us don't want to bear all right in front of others. So we try to cover up as much as possible. The other thing is they don't want to have to shower. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you got to rinse off, honey, because if you don't, you're just reabsorbing all those toxins back into the bloodstream. They go find that little fat cell and they're like, psych, I'm back. Yeah, I know. I do that 50 yard dash to the, to the shower. I'm like, ah, hurry, hurry. Absorb back into me. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's funny. And it's funny because I brought about, um, awareness with many of my clients where, they start getting panicky about getting into the water and they're like, is the water going to make me more toxic? That's why you got to have those filters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I totally agree with you. I, you know, hopefully require or insist uh, strongly insist that all of my clients get an infrared sun. A lot of them don't listen to me, um, but you, it's really essential. And I think the only people in the future that are going to be living to 110 are the ones that are detoxing in an infrared sauna on a regular basis. I talk a lot about near-infrared saunas and far-infrared saunas. I definitely prefer near-infrared. Any sauna is fine as long as you're getting in one. They all have tremendous benefits. Um, So don't worry about that. I have a lot of clients that worry they're they don't have the right sauna. They're not making right. the right choice. It doesn't matter. They're all good. I just personally prefer the near-infrared sauna for the many reasons I, I've mentioned on the podcast. So I just wanted to make that clear. Very good. Yeah. And so um, any other uh, tips about detoxification? Any methods well, that you like? I mean, there's so many. Um, which So detoxification is something that I feel really strongly about that if we can just start making some simple everyday lifestyle behavior changes, like for instance, swapping out our conventional meat for, you know, instead of getting the conventional beef, we get grass fed, grass finished beef, Mm -hmm. little things like that can be so beneficial in helping to minimize the toxicity that we're taking in. Um, so I was uh, really struggling with a lot of my clients. You know, I would make these recommendations to them about why, you know, no, you got to go get grass fed beef and little things of that nature. You've got to get the organic milk if you're going to do the uh, milk. And they just weren't understanding the importance of it. So I felt like once I really started, started addressing it from more of a toxicity perspective and how that's impacting their ability to lose weight due to developing inflammation and having these toxic particles um, that our liver can't filter out fast enough. Um, Once I started really addressing it from that angle, I didn't get as much um, resistance from them about having to spend a few extra cents per pound to get the grass-fed beef. And, And now it's funny because most of them really embrace it. And if they have any of the, you know, they'll be at a barbecue and, you know, there's the traditional conventional hamburger there and they feel like I feel so toxic from having that one burger. So, so it's, so so how can we improve digestive health to, to help to reduce toxicity? Cause there's a lot you can do with your diet and dietary changes to reduce the amount of toxins that you ingest. Absolutely. So one thing that I think people really, really miss out on are vegetables, Mm -hmm. preferably the cruciferous vegetables. We don't get enough of those. And um, 
those specifically help to assist the P450 phytochromosome to be able to help remove those toxins. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure what your recommendations are in terms of vegetable intake daily, but um, I try to encourage my clients to make at least half of their vegetable intake coming from that cruciferous vegetable, Mm -hmm. because not only will it help to remove the toxins, but it helps to support our hormonal balance as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's something that's very, just a, a very easy change And then, you know, making sure that we're at least focusing on purchasing the dirty dozen, the the 12 produce items that tend to be highest in pesticides, at least we're going for organic versions of those. Um, Again, supplementation is something that is very helpful. Then as far as like our everyday behaviors, just making sure we're changing our, our air filter in our houses and trying to minimize our exposure to the dust and, and um, those kind of allergens. Mm-hmm. And I am a big promoter of a water filter. Mm-hmm. So I, my body, I don't know what it is, but for as long as I can remember, I have never been able to drink tap water. I can taste mm-hmm. the chemicals and the toxicity the toxicity in the actual tap water. So I've always been a huge promoter of filtered water. I feel like that's one easy swap out that people can do right there just to start minimizing toxins. Yeah, I have a story about that. Um, I've always been very fearful of tap water since I was uh, a young, you know, maybe in my teens. So I've Uh always drank bottled water, always drank spring water. I didn't drink reverse osmosis Uh water in a bottle. I drank spring water only. And uh, I always do hair mineral analyses about every three to four months. And I was always using a lab uh, from analytical research laboratories. Uh, Unfortunately, they don't test uranium. Uh And I, because I'm using a new lab now, trace elements that test more metals uh, on the test, um, I discovered that I had uranium toxicity. Really? And I got that from my bathing and shower water. Uh, Because I wasn't getting it from my drinking water. And I'm finding uh, many of my clients in Southern California have uranium toxicity. Uh, Myself, every single one of my friends that I've tested, so many of my clients, it's a 911 and it's coming Uh from your shower water and the water from your tap. There's some sort of toxicity uh, either from artillery and weapons testing or Mm -hmm. from some sort of uh, leakage from a nuclear power plant. We have San Onofre here in uh, northern San Diego. Um, So it's a a really huge problem and uranium causes cancer. It can promote diabetes, prevent the (laughs) detoxification of arsenic which will promote uh, and prevent uh, fat loss, a lot of different problems. So I was very shocked and dismayed as the detox guru (laughs) to find that I was uranium toxic. But, you know, you don't know until you'll know. Um, But really, uh, there's so much uh, horrible stuff that's in our our water. And you're not Mm -hmm. safe just because you're drinking bottled water or filtered water. you got to worry about that shower because you ingest everything uh, through your skin. Well, our skin is our most, it's our largest organ, right? Mm -hmm. And it's our most absorptive organ. So um, I think that a lot of times people just don't take into consideration how bad just that constant, you know, some people take three showers a day. Mm -hmm. If we're constantly bathing, that really is is increasing our, uh, you know, um, risk of being highly toxic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I like PureFX water filters. Uh, that's the filter that I use. And I have a whole house filter uh, from them. They have a city and well water filters. Well water is not safe either. A yeah. lot of my clients that have well water, they have manganese toxicity, iron toxicity, arsenic, and uranium is naturally occurring in well water. So you're not safe just because your, your well water tastes better. Right. Instance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so I have a question I'd like to ask all of my guests. Yes. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Well, hmm, stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it begins with stress, honestly. Um, I think that if we can learn to manage stress a little more um, efficiently, that would really help to reduce a lot of the chronic issues that we have that contribute to our everyday behaviors, Uh, lack of sleep to begin with. Um, If we don't sleep properly, our body is not going to have the ability to heal and repair like it needs to. So, um, and, and I find that that's really an area of resistance from people. They think that they don't have any control over the way that they can manage their stress. And the bottom line is stressors are always going to be there. They're not going anywhere. But our ability to react to them in a um, better way it could make the difference in 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years on our life. Yeah. So, And you have to learn the art of saying no nicely absolutely. or not so nicely, what have you. You have absolutely. to learn to say no and not take on too much. Right. Well, I... I tend, I used to be what I consider a people pleaser and I was a perfectionist and a control freak. Mm -hmm. So when I um, got into my mid thirties and I was getting my master's degree and working a full-time job and being a single mom, I couldn't keep up with the amount of uh, stressors that I was, you know, I was lack of sleep, long hours, um, probably wasn't eating as healthy as I should have been. I definitely was not exercising. And I ended up being diagnosed with cervical cancer. Oh, wow. And so when I got that diagnosis, it really, you know, it really said to me that was kind of an eye opening experience because I had diet, I had exercise for the most part under control. But what I did not have under control were my stressors. And the bottom line was I was my own worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I had to do a a lot of uh, looking into myself and saying, what can I do to change this situation? Because if I don't, I'm not going to get better. I'm going to get chronically worse at a uh, accelerated rate, being that I have this kidney disease. My body has a lot harder, you know, more difficult time fighting things off. And so I'm more susceptible to something of that nature. And um, so that's when I had to uh, start becoming really uncomfortable, (laughs) having to incorporate meditation and saying no and um, delegating tasks to other individuals, which those were all new areas for me that, that I really had a hard time with. And um, once I started doing that, it was amazing over time how beneficial it truly was for me to make those changes in my life. As uncomfortable as they were at the time, it was worth trying to fight through it. And it's something that I will continue to have to work at for the rest of my life. Yeah. 
Yeah. (laughs) I'm the same way. I have a lot going on and, uh, you know, I used to be very, very controlling, you know, with my my business and the quality of the information going on my website and I want everything to be perfect and just to, uh, you know, I have so that I can help people as best that I can. And sometimes you, you know, it can get come back to bite you. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, Absolutely. It can be very, very stressful. That's yeah. uh, the case. I think a lot of people in the health industry, and I work with a lot of them, I work with a lot of, you know, health celebrities, and they're not that healthy, you know, right. because they are so passionate and so busy trying to help other people that they can, you know, make themselves sick. Right. Absolutely. I work with a substantial, you know, physician, surgeon, clientele, and um, they tend to be my unhealthiest population, again, because the amount of stress, the long hours, the lack of sleep, the poor diet, you know, they, they starve themselves all day going from client to client to client, and then they just gorge themselves in the evening on refined processed foods that are high in sugar. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as we start making some small changes, it's really amazing how quickly they start to feel better. They start sleeping better. They start saying no, and uh, their quality of life just greatly increases. Yeah. No. Well, Heather, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was fantastic. I love your energy. I love your message and everything. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you. I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to um, be able to have this conversation with you. I know it uh, was very exciting for me to get the invitation. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about you? And you have a cookbook as well, correct? I do I do? I'll actually show you. You're probably the only one who can see, but I just got my print. Nice, um, looks good. Awesome. So I uh, I decided to write a cookbook because um, it's kind of like a healthy eating survival guide as well as healthy recipes. So what I was finding is I would talk to my clients about you know what their meal choices should be, and they were really having a lot of resistance and actually turning that into a meal. So I decided that I would take the guesswork out of it and create recipes that supported detoxification, supported hormone balance, as well as our ability to lose weight. Um, And so I started sampling the recipes with my clients on my website, and they really just absolutely loved them. So in six months, I created 85 plus recipes and uh, threw this project together and it, it turned out beautifully. I've got some really gorgeous pictures in there and I'm trying to bring it back to the basics. So back, you know, to the 1950s when we actually used to eat meals at home instead of running through drive throughs and um, we didn't have as many, you know, environmental toxins that we do now. So trying to just bring it back to that whole life um, perspective and be able to incorporate that realistically in today's lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That, that, I think that sounds fantastic. I think your cookbook sounds really, really good. And can listeners purchase it? Is there anywhere that they can purchase it? Uh-oh, I think I lost Heather. <laughs> of course, right at the end. Um, we'll, we'll have that information to purchase uh, her cookbook. Oops. Oh, I'm sorry. You're back. Yeah, we're we're okay. kind of losing you. We're having some technical difficulties here with Skype. It's being problematic. That's all right. <laughs> One more thing I did want to mention. I did create a special gift for all of your listeners. Oh, they can go to my website. I've got a simple detoxification uh, survival guide. It's four simple steps to easily detoxify um, 
your daily lifestyle. And these are n nothing they have to purchase. It's just, you know, little things that they can incorporate um, into their everyday life, things that we mentioned today here on the show. Great. And um, what is that link where they can go? Oh, it's at, um, it's at nutritionvixen.com. Fantastic. And that link will be down in the show notes and the transcript it's, uh, if, if you want to click on the link. Awesome. Thank you so much, Wendy. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for being on the show. And listeners, if you want to learn all about detoxification and my version of paleo, the modern paleo diet, just how to live a healthy, long, disease-free life, you can go to live2110.com. And you can learn also about my healing and detox program on the new Mineral Power, mineralpower.com. It's my new website. Um, it's coming at the end of January, uh, probably after this podcast is posted. But just uh, keep a lookout for that coming very soon. Thank you so awesome. much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.